Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, hello and welcome to episode 107 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, we have made it. It's over halfway to Christmas. Uh, all of my Christmas shopping is done. Uh, you know, I had to go out and get something for everyone. Red Rider, BB guns and all. Uh, that's what people want under the trees this year. But how are you doing? Christmas shopping all done? Y'all sorted, wrapped up, ready to go? No. <sighs> okay, Brian, I'm just going to be honest with you. My Christmas shopping experience has been lackluster and awful. Mm. Um, I will say they redid the toy section at Target. And I don't know if anybody's been to Target recently. And I don't know if this is a nationwide thing or it's just our local Target, but it is fantastic. It is like walking into a snowy village of amazingness. Um, so oh. that's been that's been fun. Um but yeah, I, I'm way behind. I'm way behind. And Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more of my money. But by golly, Prime is looking better and better because uh, That's right. every, yeah. everything I want is like, well, we can get it to you in two weeks. So we're we're in a very interesting mm. geographic location. We're two weeks from everywhere, except uh, if we order on Amazon. So it's going okay. It's going okay. You know? That's right. Yeah. I mean, you still have, you still have some time. So make sure to go out, shop local. Support your uh, local industry, your friends that have That's businesses. Right. Make sure you support those uh, first and foremost. But yeah, hopefully everyone out there is uh, keeping some sanity as we get towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, there's always this year-end uh, push, you know, work and family and get-togethers and uh, holiday parties that you have to go to for your job, which always seem to come at an inconvenient time. All that stuff is happening. But you know what is not inconvenient? That is watching one of the uh, all-time classics of Christmas movies, uh, one of the best comedies around, and we're going to be getting into it. Some people like it so much, they watch it for 24 straight hours randomly uh, on TV. I don't even know how that happened, but we're going to be getting into all that when we talk about this week's film, A Christmas Story. So why don't we take a quick break, Michaela, and we're going to need to find ourselves some Ovaltine to whip up this week's cocktail. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. So in this episode of Drink the Movies, uh, we are covering a really cool martini. It's an Ovaltine martini. It sounds like my great aunt Esther would have loved this thing. Um, we found it uh, from the pineapplepaperco.com site. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I feel like we need to we need to talk to somebody about Ovaltine in, in general. 
uh, we're young. I mean, we're younger. Uh, we were, we were, how do I <laughs> say it? We were born in the 80s. Let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> okay. As yeah. old as we are, Ovaltine is way older. Let's just say that. How about that? And That's... I feel like in 1940, Ovaltine was a thing. Um, when we, we bought it, um, you can buy this now at a, at a store and it, and it tastes kind of like Nestle quick. If anybody remembers that it's just like this yeah. chocolate powder that you add to water or milk, uh, water. If you're disgusting, why you would do that? I have no idea, but you, you could do that <laughs> if you wanted. Um, you could, yeah. but I wonder, you just asked me in our break, if you thought that Ovaltine actually tasted better over time, or if this is the original flavor, I have no idea. I feel like uh, someone maybe older than us by 30 or 40 years, our parents might know. Our parents might know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Let us know out there listening if you remember Ovaltine. But yeah, you and I grew up in the Nestle Quick, the Nesquik uh, generation. And maybe that's why when this movie came out in 1983, it was funny to kind of uh, poke holes at Ovaltine, right? Because it was it was older. It was out of fashion. Kids were kids were hip and cool like us. You know, we had the Nest, the Nestle Quick Bunny. Uh, that's what we were getting into. But, but yeah, Ovaltine. Uh, don't forget to don't forget to what don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. And that is exactly what we did. And we we scrounged some up and we found this cocktail and it is good to go. It's basically a white Russian that you're going to put into a martini glass. But let's get into making this one a little bit, Michaela. You're going to take a martini glass and you're going to rim it um, in some sort of uh, you can use a simple syrup. You can use um, you can just use a little bit of water. You can use kind of kind of whatever you you want to use corn syrup. I've seen people use for sweeter uh, rimming, but you're going to rim that glass with some of the crushed up uh, just the Ovaltine powder, because of course you are. And then you're going to throw into your shaker tin uh, one one ounce of Kahlua, two ounces of vodka and one ounce of heavy cream. You're going to shake that up with some ice, strain it into the martini glass, and boom, good to go. Ovaltine martini, Michaela. What do you think That's about right. this? Chocolatey, chocolatey, and delicious and rich, very rich. Yeah, very, very nice. Um, I put a little bit more Ovaltine in mine, um, so I like sprinkled some on top as well, mm -hmm. uh, just because I am a chocoholic. I love it so. I thought it was very good. Um, I really like uh, white Russians or mudslides. This is very similar to that kind of, it's in that vein, that creamy, creamy alcoholic vein. So mm -hmm. um, I thought this was great. Uh, but I, I have to say there's, there's uh, the smallest package of Ovaltine that I could get was like 37 ounces. <laughs> so now I got a lot of Ovaltine uh, that now that I got a drink. So if anybody finds any other Ovaltine uh, inspired cocktails, I'm up for it. I'm here for it. Help me help me use all this Ovaltine because nah. there's not a lot. A little goes a long way. That's right. Yeah. And we actually do have another Ovaltine uh, recipe coming everyone's way over in our Patreon when we cover uh, Christmas Story Christmas. So patreon.com slash drink the movies. You can uh, get a bonus cocktail over there if you're so inclined. But yeah, this was this was pretty good. Um, I think that I would have probably liked it more as a white Russian just over ice. So gotten a little bit more of that ice melt. But um, this was pretty good. And you could totally blend this with ice and turn it into like a mudslide. Like you said, that would be good. Uh, that's a good option. And if you want to make a Christmas Story mocktail out of your Ovaltine, uh, totally do that too. Just mix up yourself a tall, hearty glass of Ovaltine, you know, some Ovaltine powder and some milk, shake that over some ice. So you get a little bit of that ice melt, uh, which is a really important component of martini that uh, we don't ever uh, talk about or acknowledge, but it definitely is. And you can pour that into a martini glass. Kids will love it. Uh, maybe not the Ovaltine bit, and maybe they definitely won't love their decoder ring, uh, which just tells them to drink more Ovaltine. That is for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, this was, this was pretty good. And I think it was interesting to to finally have some Ovaltine, something that I only knew existed 
because of this week's film, A Christmas Story. Oh, that's so cool. My grandmother had Ovaltine, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think I found it next to her Tang. Remember Tang? All of these powdered drinks that old people had. I don't understand it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking about this movie. This movie is very... Um, what's the word? It's very nostalgic. And I think Ovaltine mm. kind of has that same vibe to it. So I was really excited that we found a cocktail that uh, kind of brought some newness to it and is also delicious. That's right. Yeah. So uh, mix one of these up and let us know what you think about it. Let us know what you think about Ovaltine. But for now, Michaela, we are going to have to uh, put our nostalgia glasses on and, uh, you know, go back in time to a, a, a much simpler time when, you know, we were just wanting to have the best Christmas ever. And hopefully uh, we're able to achieve that. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about this week's film, A Christmas Story. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Spoiler warning for a Christmas story. He totally shoots his eye out. We're going to yep. talk about it. We're <laughs> going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the turkey. We're going to talk about all the vignettes that this movie uh, is comprised of. And if you haven't seen it, I, I, maybe you don't live in the United States where we show this ad nauseum at Christmas time on every channel for like 24 hours straight. I don't know. But um if you missed it, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about it. So if you don't want to hear all of the things, press pause. Go get yourself some Ovaltine. Make yourself up an amazing Ovaltine martini and come back because we're going to chat ad nauseum about a Christmas story. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to get into this one for sure. This one came out in 1983. It was directed by Bob Clark, and it stars Melinda Dillon as our mom, Parker, Darren McGavin as our dad, Parker, and Peter Billingsley as little Ralphie Parker, the kid with the ambitions to get a Red Rider uh, BB gun. Now, this was based off of a book called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, which is an incredible title for a book that was written by Gene Shepard. Uh, now, Gene was like a radio personality and kind of wrote down these vignettes into a book. And Gene actually is the one that is the narrator in this. He is playing like the adult consciousness of low ralphie as we're going through his story because peter billingsley really if you watch this doesn't have a ton of dialogue uh he's very expressive uh he can make lots of lots of really good faces you know in, in certain situations but really we're getting all of ralphie's thoughts from gene uh the man who you know wrote these things uh you know originally in the first place absolutely yeah and i gotta say i love peter billingsley in this because he is a super like plastic faced in that he has all of these kind of obviously he he has emotion he has an emotional face but like in between as these things are happening I wonder what it was like to direct him because you know he's 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 a kid and they're you know I think children are notoriously kind of interesting to work with when you have 
um, when you have to direct them, his mm-hmm. eyes and his cheeks and the way, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but there's a couple of scenes that just would not work unless he handled these things perfectly with which the timing and the, and then the voiceover. I mean, it's, it, it really is very special. And I was glad to see that uh, Peter Billingsley did a lot of other things, including the sequel to this that we're going to talk about on the Patreon site, but uh, yeah, I I really love the the mix between Gene Shepard and Peter Billingsley. I wonder if they met and like were able to kind of vibe off each other in the making of this. Because again, I I don't know how they would have done it otherwise. It, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, now with, you know, modern technology, when you're doing voiceover work and stuff, it's very easy to throw up, you know, some sort of digital compilation of of what's happening. But, you know, before when you're doing everything off of film and things, that would have been a lot harder. So, yeah, it would be interesting to to see sort of like a, a making of, you know, exactly uh, how that could put together and yeah peter billingsley is great like i mentioned you know he's he's very kind of expressive in a sense but he's also very <laughs> I, I don't know kind of i don't i don't want this to come off as like derogatory sounding but like he goes from like being like very like vacant <laughs> expressively to being very expressive uh vac- you know which is which is kind of kind of interesting and i think that ralphie is a, a kid a character that a lot of you know, kids, especially in 1983, you know, so this would have been, you know, geared at people who would have been like our parents age who could, you know, remember back to Christmas in the 1950s and what that was like and sort of, you know, see themselves in Lil Ralphie, which I think was, you know, one of the big reasons why, you know, it kind of resonated uh, so well with, you know, that whole sort of sort of thing. So let's get into uh, this movie a little bit. Like, like we said, um, Ralphie really wants uh, the ultimate Christmas present. Uh, we're finding that right off the right off the bat. There, he wants a Red Rider carbine action, two hundred shots, range model air rifle. Uh, what kid doesn't want that? Uh, Ralphie was like eight or nine, I think. I don't. I don't I think know. He's but, eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, he keeps being met with some uh, some sort of reluctance to it. And I love kind of this opening uh, sequence where he's you know talking about this is this is what he wants. He's having like the like the fantasies and the daydreams about it, and then he takes like. <laughs> like very very sneakily like every kid has this idea that he's going to going to do this because i know i totally did this i would like i would like dog ear like pages and uh, magazines and things and he takes like the advertisement for it and just goes and like sticks it like haphazardly like right in the middle of one of his mom's magazines like she's not going to figure out uh exactly where that that came from <laughs> right. but that but that's kind of the main thread of this thing right it's, it's ralphie's pursuit of having this perfect christmas with the perfect christmas gift and then that gets wrapped up in i don't know two-ish days worth of these little vignettes when we're yeah you know, going on all these crazy hijinks uh with yeah. him with his dad with his family schoolmates all that stuff yeah for sure. I mean, he he does the quintessential thing that happens at around Christmas time for school. He's asked, hey, what do I want for Christmas? He has to write a theme. Um, you remember those days? We I don't think we called them themes. It was just like a creative writing part of school that, you yeah. know, you have to write like five sentences and we don't want to do that. But he, you know, Ralphie, he puts it all out there. He's like, that's what I want. And I think it'd be really a good Christmas gift. And 
Um, his teacher doesn't agree. She gives him like a C, which I don't understand because looking at the paper, his handwriting wasn't that bad. He he wrote sentences. He turns uh, in like a whole like a whole book worth of like <laughs> reasoning about it. Yeah, but the thing about the thing about this that I think um, I enjoy more and more every time I see it is the creativity that Ralphie seems to have. So he has this idea that he is going to be able to do so many other things uh, in his life, and and because of this. Uh, uh, 200 shot range model air rifle right he's got this this vignette where he in his mind he's like protecting the house with old blue which is i guess who, that's what he named his his gun right, yeah. do you do that i i don't know i'm a pacifist so i don't know how people aim <laughs> you know name their their weaponry but he he's like shooting out of the front window and saving his family and it's it's you know they they're like living on the open range in his mind instead of like on a house on in cleveland um you know on the west side it's um very very uh fantasy driven some of these vignettes that he has and when he's writing this theme out he's thinking about how his teacher is going to think it's the best theme ever and she gives him this amazing grade and and all of these things and um unfortunately it doesn't work out that way everybody basically thinks that it's it's not a good idea for an eight-year-old to have a gun um <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i mean you're... most everybody his mom's not a fan his uh teacher's not a fan um there's a Santa Claus at Higby's. Now, Higby's department store, we should talk about a little bit because apparently yeah. that was a real place. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Santa, Santa Claus at Higby's thinks it's a bad idea. Um, I also, I really love when he's, uh, you know, kind of turning in that paper too. He takes like a, like a whole, like, I don't know, like little like gift set thing for his t-shirt and she just puts it like in the drawer with all this other, uh, you know, junk she's accumulated from, from all these kids over, over all this time, I think, which is, which is pretty fun. But yeah, Hig Higsby's, this, uh, real life, uh, store, uh, has this crazy Santa display, uh, which is, uh, really fun. Um, this is one of the kind of things I always remember about this, you know, growing up watching it was a Santa Claus up on top of like this tall, I don't know, stack of whatever he was he was sitting on but it had like a slide on it it was all you know snow covered all this stuff he gets up there and tells santa this santa claus uh seems like the worst santa claus ever in the 1950s yeah, not not a particularly oh. friendly guy all the kids are like uh getting off of his lap and just you know in tears and shrieking and crying and they just get shoved down this sl slide down to the bottom of uh higsby's it is a genius idea, though, because if you have yeah, ever out of had here, to kid. sit in out line, here, yeah, kid. no, totally. But if you've ever had to like go with your kid to meet Santa, that is the worst. The line is like seventy-five miles long, and it, this is in the forties, right? So the, the parents are like, "Hey, we're gonna go do something else. Y'all wait in line by yourself, right?" They had it figured out, and then they go up these steps, right? They get a very angry elf, a couple angry elves, like put put them on the they have a system a very like it's a very contrived process for how they pick up these kids and put them on santa's lap and what i find so interesting about it is that they move the kids legs to one side so they that he can go right down the slide <laughs> it's a genius idea though i mean i wish that more uh, Santa places where you could go and meet Santa had something like that because at least it gave you something to look forward to. And then parents yeah. could be like, I'm I'm gonna wait for you down here and get my <laughs> life, get my life together and get stuff done while you go through this line of craziness rather than make me wait. Um yeah, yeah, for sure. And one of one of my favorite uh kind of parts of this too is Ralphie finally gets up there and he's, you know, been going through this whole monologue about how he's gonna ask and then 
uh ralphie does what every kid does i imagine i don't have kids myself but you they get up on santa claus's lap and they totally freeze which is why that line is so long right because the kids either freak out or they forget to ask or they just start rambling off this stuff so he forgets to ask and then uh love it little ralphie like stops himself going down the slide and starts crawling up and he's like i want this bb gun and santa's just like you'll shoot your eye out kid and just like gives him a, a boot to the face to send him on his way which is which is really fun so yeah ralphie gets to go on all these he has some other hijinks uh with some of his classmates of course there's there's a couple of bullies there uh which are, are never very good uh don't have bullies uh one of your bullies uh what's his name scott Perkis. Uh, scott Perkis uh. has has braces which those kind of braces didn't really come out until the 70s so uh that's a little continuity error but that's okay that's all right we are we're in it to win it uh has a coonskin cap mean has this other little uh bully friend uh no good no good can come with the bullies you got to stand up to bullies so ralphie that's does right. end up standing up to st standing up to scott that's pretty good he sure does um what i love about that part is so you know scott Fergus, he's 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 awful. He's got yellow eyes and he really does this actor, uh, Zach Ward. I've seen him in a couple of other things. He's amazing uh, because he never seems to play a nice guy. He's got this bully thing down pat. Um, he uh, they they put on Peter and the Wolf, uh, the soundtrack of Peter and the Wolf kind of the, behind every time he shows up. So, you know, he's a bad guy. Um, I love when Ralphie finally loses his cool and just hammers him and you know it's 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 the 40s right it's in the middle of the cold he's got his gloves Ralphie's just like hitting him as hard as he can and it's and finally yep. uh his little brother Randy goes and gets his mom because he's like Ralphie's Ralphie finally did it he finally decided he was not going to take anymore and uh his mom gets him takes him home and of course then Ralphie's really upset he's crying Randy's really upset and crying. He's like, dad's going to kill Ralphie because he shouldn't be fighting. And of course the mom knows exactly what to do, right? She, That's she knows right. that it was, you know, fighting is never the answer, but he, he'd reached his limit. He needed to solve the problem himself. Of course, this was back when parents, you know, they didn't go and call the other parents or call the police or any of that. It was, <laughs> it was very different time. That's right. And they don't know. tell, they tell the dad, but they make it so they tell the old man, but they make it sound like it was like, no big deal. You know, it's, it's totally yep. fine. Um, <laughs> that, that's and right. it's, yeah, it's so most. great some uh schoolyard uh roughhousery um yeah mother parker does cover for him and she is seems like a, a pretty cool mom she's kind of kind of kind of flighty but kind of fun uh throughout this thing and you know deals with old man parker uh perfectly deals with the kids uh really well so uh really pretty good you know sort of sort of family structure that we have here at home for ralphie um ralphie has a brother um by the name of randy uh he is this uh goofy little kid i love uh his mom bundles him up in like fifteen thousand coats and scarves and he can't put his arms down so he's just left there like crying and waddling around that's pretty funny and ralphie has a couple of friends by the name of flick and schwartz who get into the most ultimate of showdowns where they are daring and double dog daring and the elusive triple dog daring uh and you don't want to get triple dog dared uh to what uh these two end up getting into Michaela <laughs> I mean uh there is a point at which no amount of dog daring should get in the way of like science and reason and logic uh, why anybody would stick their tongue on a flagpole is just beyond me <laughs> yeah well, you're, you're kids. You don't know the way, I guess. the workings of the world. Well, you know, no, the uh, worst part about this is that the kids just leave him once he gets stuck because obviously, yeah, hey, newsflash, everybody, go. 
you know, his rings. tongue gets stuck and he can't get unstuck. No, they just leave him. They don't, they don't like try and warm up the pole or any, they're just like, bye. See you later, dude. And yeah. so of course, then the teacher's like, has anybody seen Flick? Has anybody seen him? Where is he? <laughs> and he, she sees him out like physically stuck to the pole. Yeah, like like the fire department's rolling <laughs> in. I mean, I, these kids are quick to abandon. They abandon when Scott is, uh, you know, bullying the kids. They're like, uh, uh, not me. Got to go. Time to go. Right. So, uh, so you're on your own if you're if you're a kid here in uh, this northern Indiana town for sure. Um, but you know, that's that's not all that's going on. Because uh, one of one of the great aspects of this movie, Michaela, is of course Old Man Parker, played by Darren McGavin. Uh, he has some of the most fun, most interesting vignettes of of this whole show. Uh, it turns out, Michaela, he is pretty good at his job. Uh, you know, you're you're good at your job. Maybe you get an award. Uh, that's pretty good. But if you're Old Man Parker and you're good at your job, you get the best award all the way from France all the way from France and you get a really cool uh, box that says fragile on it. So you have to be real careful when you open it. Um, and uh, gosh, I swear th this is, I remember this more than I think any other part of the film uh, watching this when it, when, when it first came out is the leg lamp mm -hmm. of, yeah. of, of fame, right? Because <laughs> the whole thing lights up. It's not just the lamp part with the lampshade and the and the fringe the whole leg yeah <laughs> that's right yeah that's right yeah you get a you get a whole leg and yeah, ralphie it's, it's... is very excited to put ralphie, his hands all over it <laughs> ralphie is ralphie is very smitten uh as it were old man parker seems to be uh pretty enthralled by this leg lamp as well uh you know mama parker not not as excited about not having so this much. leg lamp right in the front window uh my favorite part of this whole exchange though is that when it's getting delivered it's getting delivered in the world's largest like shipping crate uh i don't know where it came from it would have cost 10 billion dollars to ship this giant of a crate but it's this huge thing and this guy brings it to the door and old man parker goes up and he's like what is it and the guy's like i don't know and then he's like well what's inside of it and the guy looks so annoyed it's like i i don't i don't know what's inside of it i just told you i didn't know what it was uh but it's pretty great and he like breaks open this box and he climbs inside of it it's full of like like sawdust and wood shavings and he pulls out this leg gets it right there in the front window and then you get kind of uh, this little back and forth that kind of goes on through, I don't know, maybe like the first half of the movie where, you know, Mother Parker is trying to trying to turn it off before they leave the house. And then it, you know, quote unquote, accidentally gets broken and old man Parker is just like uh, destroyed. He's trying to glue it back together. You know, it's his it's his award. He was so proud of it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of kind of tacky. And if you go to Cleveland, Ohio, where uh, this house is, you can see the leg lamp right in the, the window because that house is a museum now. So let us know if you ever did yeah. that. But but that's pretty fun uh old man parker also has some run-ins with some neighborhood dogs who have the same oh exquisite gosh. taste in turkey as he does the dogs why don't they i mean so these dogs belong to the bumpus family which i guess are the hillbilly ne next door neighbors mm -hmm. I, I i i don't know if we even ever see them but there's like 37 of these dogs um and i guess they uh, left the door open during Christmas Day. The dogs ruin the family dinner. They jump on the kitchen table. Uh, the The kitchen table's not strong enough, I guess. <laughs> they like destroy <laughs> so the table, yeah. The, the table's destroyed. The pies are destroyed. Um, and the turkey is just gone. And of course, um, Gene Shepard is kind of doing a voiceover. And he's like, no turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey soups, no, no, nothing, nothing at all. And so, of course, you know, the mama Parker is like really upset. She starts to cry. 
but not not the old man the old man's like you know what we're gonna i can solve this problem we're gonna go out to eat it's gonna be fine and they do and what's open on christmas day even in 1940 in the little town (laughs) outside of chicago a Chinese restaurant. They're always open. So Man. you get some really <laughs> lovely folks trying to sing um, Christmas carols and they bring out the, this this uh, Christmas duck dinner. It looks like turkey. Maybe it's duck. I don't know what it was, but then they chop the head off right in front of Mrs. Parker. She freaks out and laughs. It's actually really great. Um, and it could have been really bad, right? They could have, you know, that was one of the things that I really loved uh, watching this is that you know, Mr. Parker or the old man, he um, was not to be messed with, right? There's a scene where uh, Ralphie says a, a bad word. He says the F word and he gets in real big trouble because that's not mm. okay. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, his father really tried to, you know, bring out and when things didn't go right on Christmas Day, he still was like, you know, we're gonna, I can solve this problem. We can make it happen um, without, yeah, you- without getting uh, too upset about it, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you keep expecting him to sort of like blow his lid, but he's always a pretty cool customer. So uh, kudos to you, uh, old man Parker, for that for sure. Um, then the other one of these that I you you mentioned the uh, you know saying the bad word and gets his mouth washed out with soap. Uh, that looks that looks really horrible. And then it's very 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 kind of sad. You see Ralphie laying in bed and he's got like drool coming out of his mouth and like tears coming out of his eyes. You get his mom like like tastes like a little tiny taste of the soap and she's like, Bleh. you know, so so how terrible how terrible that was have been mm-hmm. but uh one of my other uh kind of favorites here of these uh, little vignettes is when they go to the christmas tree lot to get their christmas tree and you get old man parker he's like he's uh you know trying to like negotiate the best deal on this uh christmas tree and ends up getting it you know and it's uh, very much a christmas vacation sort of thing where the tree is you know three times the size of the room that it's supposed to be in they get it all decorated <laughs> and then he plugs it into the plug of death but what do you do uh, old man parker's not phased he just kind of blows the smoke away and plugs it back in anyways totally fine he's like i can change the fuse just a minute i mean there's literally i don't know how they do this because there's fire coming out of that one outlet there's 37 things that are attached to that outlet and um you know electrical fires are real don't do that kids that that's not cool to do that um but he's like i'll change the fuse and I, I love that where he was known for being a fixer of all things. He could do all the things he could change fuses. Um, and, and while the mom was just known for never uh, sitting down and having a warm meal because she was always taking care of everybody else at mealtime and making sure that Ralphie, you know, didn't get in trouble for getting a fight. Um, you could always count on her in a pinch. Um, and then of course, actual christmas time because they they at least in this family they put the tree up and they look at all the lights and they have all this that that old timey tinsel mm-hmm. that they had that you actually it, it's you kind of drape it over yeah yeah those, those over strings, the tree which is miserable yeah. to clean up i don't know why uh that oh ever my. became ever became a thing um <laughs> but i love yeah is this what uh, you know the trees with the, like the needles coming out of it and all that all that stuff at the tree lot which is which is great but yeah the, the tree looks good and then finally we make it to christmas morning uh ralphie's going through his presents uh you know get, you get some presents from your aunt <laughs> which is good you know a uh an easter bunny costume uh which is a great christmas uh present he goes up and puts on his uh easter bunny uh sort of pajama kind of thing oh, but luckily but luckily for ralphie uh his dad uh old man parker has one more trick up his sleeve as ralphie gets through his presents 
uh, pretty devastated. He didn't get what he really wanted, what he'd asked Santa for. You know, he did all this work leading up to Christmas to get his favorite gift. Uh, but old man Parker comes through in the end. He says, I had a BB gun when I was about his age, or I had a gun when I was about his age, uh, something along those lines. And Ralphie couldn't be more excited to have acquired his Red Rider BB gun. That's right. I love that scene because they wake up in the morning. Um, and this 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 film is actually pretty good for kids and parents because um, the parents, you know, as soon as the kids go to bed, they're like, okay, now let's get down to it. And then it cuts immediately to Christmas morning. So the kids, you know, wake up and you don't see them putting out presents. You don't see Santa coming or anything like that. Um, so they play Santa Claus and everybody kind of just, kind of hands out their gifts. Um, I love the old man gets a bowling ball uh, and he's real excited about it. He's like, well, what is this? What could this possibly be? Because it's just a ball that's wrapped up. <laughs> and I, I love that at the end, Ralphie, you know, he's disappointed, but he doesn't make a big deal out of it. He just says, well, I got almost everything. And then this, when, when they point to uh, this area kind of behind the tree, um, there's one last present. And you can tell the mom is not pleased. Um, she's like, I really don't like this, but go outside. Please don't shoot anything. Don't shoot yourself. Don't shoot it at people. And that that's it. That's the only instruction, right? But yep. it's so amazing because when he opens it up and he's so excited and he, open, he actually opens the box up and starts to put the gun together, his dad is watching him and like, you know, kind of experiencing that very first time that he's open this with him and it's so beautiful to see because uh parents actually do that um and and it's I didn't know that until I had my own kids but you actually do where you're like okay you're gonna do that and then you're gonna do that and do you see this thing and isn't that cool and and it was such a really beautiful kind of um showing about what the gift giving aspect of Christmas is all about because mm -hmm. you see that as happy as Ralphie was, it was nothing compared to how happy his father was to be able to see that he was able to give him what he really, really wanted and all of that. And that that's one of my favorite scenes because they're both so excited. Um, and the, the camera keeps panning between Ralphie and the old man kind of experiencing like the, the loading of it and the, Mm -hmm. all of that before going outside and shooting his eye out which inevitably happens that's that's right yeah enough people uh, give you a warning that's of course what's going to happen he does uh blame so on an icicle um unfortunately breaks his glasses which he is more uh worried about you know could have lost the eye and probably gotten away with that but don't want to break your glasses that is every kid's uh fear that wears glasses for sure because mom and dad are going to be definitely upset about that especially in uh you know 1940 that would have been a big deal to get your glasses broken then so mm -hmm. um but yeah and then you have um kind of vignette that sends them to the the chinese restaurant and then this movie is over. It's <laughs> Christmas, over. Christmas, Christmas has ended uh, just a, as abruptly as it began. Um, but, you know, mission accomplished. Got the Red Rider BB gun. Christmas has been saved. Everyone was happy. Um, you get a nice kind of a, a very dark, um, but very funny uh, little little family. Look into the to the Ralphie into the Parker family, That's uh, right. which is which is which is pretty neat. So that's Christmas story in a nutshell. Like we said, it's basically just kind of these little comedic uh, vignettes. It's almost like um. I kind of liken it to uh, like a sketch comedy kind of a thing. 
they're, yeah. they're like we're go- we're going to do like a like a Christmas themed sketch comedy sort of thing and that's kind of what what this turned into which makes sense you know because it was based off of this little like uh radio and book kind of little vignettes where you know Gene Shepard's just you know telling these little stories about him growing up and uh stuff like that so it makes sense that that's kind of how uh this came to be but Michaela Christmas story is a pretty big deal in the world of Christmas tales uh tell me about or tell everyone about uh how you got introduced to this uh Oh, gosh, uh, this Christmas uh, classic. I don't even know when we started watching this, if I would have considered it a Christmas classic, but it surely is now. So it surely is now. I was probably the mid to late 90s. Actually, I didn't uh, have a lot of I didn't have TV growing up uh, in my formative years. So I watched a lot of movies. Uh, So you would have thought that this would have made the list somehow as far as Christmas movies, because it's it's not die hard. It's much more family friendly than that. Uh, And yet somehow I missed it until it was showing for 24 hours on CBS or NBC or MSN or some some channel um, that is known for doing it uh, every Christmas. It's 24 hours of a Christmas story. And I have to say, when I watched it uh, in my late teens, I was not a fan. I thought it was I thought it was okay, but it, it was not my favorite. I didn't I I didn't like that he wanted a gun. I didn't like that nobody would give him a gun until the very end. I didn't understand the vignettes. I was like this. Th- I just don't understand what's happening. I understood <laughs> what was happening, but I just didn't understand the point. I guess. Um, so it was lost on me until probably about five years ago. Um, I, or maybe even 10 years ago, I watched this, uh, with my dad who was a kid in the forties and he was like, oh yeah, no, I didn't, he, we didn't, we didn't have a Higby's because he lived in Montana, but he was like, oh yeah, the corner store where you saw your, the gift that you wanted. And there's always a bully and there's like all of these things really happened to a lot of people, um, (laughs) maybe not all at one Christmas. Um, but uh, just kind of that uh, look and feel and nostalgia really opened my eyes. And, you know, now that I have my own kid, um, you know, I see this from an adult perspective as well as the kid's perspective. And so it really, I think that's what it was. That was the audience it was meant for, not just for children. And so uh, it it won me over. So now it, it's something we probably watch at least once, one time a year during the Christmas season, for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously I'm a little too young to have, you know, seen this right when it first came out, but it, um, would have hit home, home video, you know, fairly early in the eighties. I'm not sure if that's when I saw it, but it started to become like this television staple, um, really kind of in the late eighties when it was being aired every year on television. So I would have just seen it then, like it became kind of part of the Christmas rotation because, you know, you watched what was on TV, you know, you didn't have stations that just showed Christmas movies 24 hours a day for, you know, like the three months leading up to, to Christmas. So you kind of watched whatever, you know, that movie was for that week or uh, the matinee was for that week. So, you know, probably started watching it kind of about every year then. And then something really strange happened, um, you know, not even for just a like a holiday movie, but just for kind of anything. And, you know, like in the in the mid 90s, I think like 1997, uh, TNT started showing a Christmas story just 24 hours a day, <laughs> like like in the lead up to Christmas. And it was the, the wildest thing. And people went nuts for it. And like they would just watch it like for 24 straight hours. Um, I'm kind of like you, I was never like, I always liked a Christmas story, but I never was like, this is my favorite, uh, Christmas tale. It's, it certainly is. And, you know, there are aspects of it that have, that have grown on me kind of over time, but people went nuts over this. People, people loved it. I, people dress up, um, 
as that and that pink rabbit uh you know <laughs> uh costume that he that he gets you know all of this stuff and yeah. uh, i just turned into this whole thing like i mentioned there's a museum of the house which is in cleveland ohio um you can go to it people people go there to see the house all this stuff and this had you know kind of a long life it spawned a sequel um which i never even knew about until i watched this and it popped up as a <laughs> uh, suggested viewing uh christmas story uh part two don't know anything about that uh let me know if it's worth my time to watch that but it spawned like a stage play and a musical that came out like in 2012 um that yeah. ran for one season on broadway uh, which is really strange. And then, you know, at, recently, as of a couple weeks ago, we just got A Christmas Story Christmas, which actually, you know, brings back Peter Billingsley and something that he helped to to write to bring back. It's available on HBO uh, Max. And we're going to be talking about that over on our uh, Patreon site. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. So somewhere like in the weeds, this thing kind of existed and then just, I don't know, sprouted like like three heads and turned into this Christmas behemoth uh, that it is today. And it's it's very wild to me. Um, one of my favorite aspects of this, and I think a lot of people's favorite aspects of it, are is Gene Shepard's kind of narration of this because you're seeing, you're seeing on the screen kind of the actions of this this very young boy, right, this eight or nine year old boy, yeah. uh, but it's being narrated with like the thought process of an adult which is just hilarious that he's like right. like breaking it down it's when you try to like explain like what a baby's doing or what a baby is thinking and it's kind of that come to life right like yeah. very much a, a look who's talking kind of a thing yeah but but so cleverly done too because some of the vocabulary words that they're using it's just amazing where they're like the cacophony of the sounds and sights and so, you wouldn't say that and i don't know if i'd say that as an adult um unless i was i was gene shepherd talking about this film right like it's so clever um and it goes to the stories i mean if you like this uh as a film and you haven't read the vignettes and you haven't like, kind of read the little stories that that have this was based on, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go ahead and spend some time doing that. Um, read it to your family at Christmas time. They will love that. Um, mm -hmm. because it's very much the same look and feel. And so if you're into that, uh, yeah, totally, totally dive in because that's, that's, that's the rub right there. That's really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that is a Christmas story. It's, uh, a really good uh, Christmas tale. Like I said, it's a good it's a good family tale. Um, it's good for the young and old alike. It teaches you some lessons, and uh, I don't know. It just makes you think of uh, Christmas time for sure. So let us know if you are a big fan of Christmas Story. Let us know if you ever watched it for twenty four straight hours. Um, and let us know if you got a decoder ring to tell you to drink more Ovaltine because you should in an Ovaltine martini. Let us know if you mix one of those up. Send us pictures. Um, and do all that stuff. You can send those in on our social media. It's Instagram and twitter it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies if you want to get the pictures of ours uh see the episode recaps all that stuff you can do that on our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and if you want a bonus ovaltine cocktail and to hear what we thought about a christmas story christmas head over to our patreon which is www.patreon.com slash drink the movies where we've got bonus episodes and a bunch of other fun stuff going on over there so make sure you check that out and you know michaela christmas has come and gone uh we got our red rider bb guns uh which are good but you know, the best way to say thanks for getting the best Christmas gift of all would be to leave us a five-star review. Uh, where should they be doing that? You can do that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Good Pods, AirPods, anywhere that has podcasts that uh, are distributed by Anchor, where all of that is supported. 
I'm, I'm sure that I've missed a couple of other places, but you, trust me, you can find us if you want to just, just, just Google us. It'll, we'll show up. Um, That's right. we do two drops a week. Uh, if you're not already on our Patreon site, um, which I highly recommend because it's really cool stuff that's extra and above and beyond, but um, you can leave us a five-star review if you're liking what you're hearing. Um, once again, we've had another, like, I don't know, best two weeks ever. Um, I, I don't know what y'all are doing, but it's amazing. And we're really grateful. Tell all your friends. Um, it's really exciting to be building the cocktail movie loving community all together, especially yes. at Christmas time. Especially at Christmas time, absolutely. And uh, next week, Michaela, we're going to have to cover one of the most classic Christmas stories of them all, uh, A Christmas Carol. And what better way to do that than with a Muppet Christmas Carol? So uh, what I'm going to do, Michaela, is I'm going to go get another tin of Ovaltine. We have to we have to clip off you know, the barcodes, send those in to get our decoder ring, uh, mix up another one or two of these Ovaltine martinis because I need a break. You know, uh, Christmas Story was a lot to take in. So why don't we do that? And we will talk to everyone next time on... Drink, drink the, the movies. movies. Only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex gleaming in the window. <laughs> oh, fudge. Only I didn't said fudge. I said <laughs> the word. <laughs> <laughs>